Welcome to another edition of Nebraska Gems. I'm Mike Melby, and I am joined by someone I was joined by a couple of months ago. Jim Ballard of James Arthur Vineyards is sitting across from me. We're in the wine tasting room here at JAV, 2001 West Raymond Road. And I had to come back out, Jim, because you and I joked in the episode that we did a few months back, we could do a whole episode on wine names. And lo and behold, I had people who have listened to the episode that have contacted me and said, can you please tell me when this is coming? Because I've been to the winemaker's dinner and I know about uh, Amote and I know about Eden's Blush, but I know there's a bunch of other names and I want to know the stories. So go talk to Jim. So Jim, welcome back. Thank you. It's always good to see you. It's fun to, to share stories from about people we know and things we've done in life and our background. So this is great. I uh, thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. First of all, how was last Tuesday? 25 years ago, last Tuesday, you guys went, uh, hi, everybody, we're open for business. I know you don't know anything and you don't trust that there's going to be good wine in Nebraska, but trust me, this is good wine. We had a wonderful celebration. We actually celebrated the weekend before our actual birthday, which is September 13th of 90, uh, 1997 is when we opened our front doors. So we had uh, some live music and uh, lots of fun games and great wine specials and just had a good time celebrating 25 years. And I look back on it and it never ceases to amaze me that we've actually come this far uh, from a little idea, a little hobby that got a little out of control. And and the cool thing about it is we've heard from a lot of people um, that we've made friends with from around the, the, the world, basically. And uh, that's probably the most gratifying thing for us is just all those lives that we've touched and all the people that we've got to meet. When I was out for the winemakers dinner a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. Tracy and I came out. Is there a strategy in how you seat people? Do you know ahead of time or is it just literally throwing darts? No, when we do our winemaker dinner, what we do is we pre-sell tickets. So we know if a group's coming together, maybe, you know, four, six, eight people and we seat them together. But all the, all the couples, because of the way our room is configured, all the couples usually we just put together and most of them don't know each other from Adam. But it's funny, by the end of the evening, there's... I think new friendships that are made, people chat. And that's the beautiful thing about wine is that it brings people together and you can talk about not only the wine, but what, you know, how it pairs with the food. Then it goes off into other conversations. And I'll tell you one fun story. One of the first dinners that we made, I put a group of about eight together at a table. And by the end of the night, they planned a cruise together. So I don't know if they ever went on that cruise or not, but they were talking about all going on a cruise together. They just got along so well and had so much fun. And maybe it was the wine speaking. I don't know, but they were having a good time together. Oh, that's the key is just having a good time. We did. And we have, I we're friends on Facebook now with a, a couple and we may wind up going down to Hickman and hanging out with them. And so it, it was a fantastic night. Um, I, you've got some stuff coming up here. You have got ghost tours that happen throughout September and October, I think. Friday, uh, September 30th is the first one. Is that correct? We start on that Friday and then we'll go through October with our ghost tours on Friday evenings. And we work with a Nebraska historical ghost quest and they're actually ghost hunters. Um, and they come out with their equipment and, and it was funny because they, uh, someone told them about our haunted hikes and we talk about a ghost that we have here on site and they got a hold of us and said, hey, we'd love to come out and check that out. And we've developed a great friendship. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It really is. And and uh, there's some food involved, some wine involved, and a lot of ghost hunting. That sounds fantastic. So we may have to chat. <laughs> uh, there's also the Haunted Hayrack rides that, that I believe are all sold out. But um, those I've heard are fantastic. You guys do Halloween right. And we talked about it briefly. If 
shaggy sinister circus from <laughs> from me and Tracy want to hang out with you guys maybe some Halloween, I think we could have a lot of fun. We're going to make it happen. I just haven't quite figured out how it's going to happen, but it will. We've got it. We've got 13, 14 months to we work do. on it, but I think that that might be something for 2023. Now, to the point of this quick gem podcast, you have got some very unique names to wines. Now, I want to go over some that aren't necessarily unique and I believe are just simply the name of the grape. And that is going to be the Edelweiss and the, is it Vignol? Mm-hmm. Vignol. Those are both grapes. That's why they got the name. It's not something, anything spectacular, no killer story behind it, but they're super popular. And Edelweiss kind of was your calling card initially where everybody said, Hey, this, you got to check these guys out. That Edelweiss is, is definitely worth it. That, that is our most popular wine by far. And you're right. We have the Edelweiss, the Vignol, the St. Croix, uh, Lacrosse. We have some of those wines that are the names of the grapes that you would see from a Chardonnay or a Cabernet or anything of that nature. And then we have the fanciful names and those are the ones that we have a lot of fun with. So speaking of, you have three children, correct? We, we do. You have a daughter and two sons. The daughter is Eden. Correct. There's a wine called Eden's Blush. There is. And, and the whole, I guess the way I look at it and the whole genesis behind some of these names is that, and it took me a little while to figure this out. When we first opened up, I knew we were going to sell wine. People wanted to see Nebraska grapes. They wanted to taste Nebraska wine. But after a while, I, it wasn't just about the wine. It was about, like we were just talking about, the experience. And really what we sell out here is an experience. As part of that experience are some of the names of the wines that we've come up with. And Eden's Blush was probably the first one that was the fanciful name that we came up with. And, and that's named after my daughter. And it was, it was funny because she was actually born after we had opened the winery. When she was about three or four, we decided to come up with Eden's Blush. And we'd be at the grocery store and I'd be walking down the aisle or something. She'd go, hey, dad, there's my favorite wine. Or dad, I love that Eden's Blush. I'm like, you know, you know, CPS might be hanging out. I don't, I'm not sure I want to get in trouble. But we had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, and uh, that was the first wine that was named after her. How soon after that did the angst with your two sons build to the point where two brothers came along? You know, they were like, why does she always get everything? You spoil her. You must love her more. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do. Nah, I'm teasing. All of my kids are great. But we decided then to come up with two brothers. And so we have the Eden's Blush and the two brothers, and they represented uh, my three children. Now, if I remember the story correctly, your mother and father-in-law were not A-plus students in Latin. Please explain that story and the name of one of your wines. That's probably one of my favorite stories. My uh, father-in-law was James Arthur Jeffers, and my mother-in-law, her name was Nene. Um, They grew up in Austin, Minnesota, and Nene went to the Catholic school, and Jim went to the public school. If you've ever been to Austin, Minnesota, the public school is is beautiful. It really is. There's a little plant called Hormel, I'm sure, that pays a few property taxes that helps helps in that regard, but it's a beautiful uh, public school. But they would meet in the middle of the street. They were right across the street from one another. And they would meet in the middle of the street and exchange notes at lunchtime. And my mother-in-law, she'd be the first to admit she was, she was not a great Latin student. And most everybody knows that in Spanish Latin, te amo means I love you. But she had it kind of backwards and she thought it was amo te. And so when they exchanged these notes, they would both always sign it amo te. And then, of course, the rest is history. They were married not long after high school. And throughout their lives, whenever they wrote each other notes, they signed them Amote. So that was my uh, kind of my dedication to them and, and naming the wine, uh, which is a beautiful, sweeter style blush wine after them. And the funny thing about that, Mike, is that 
I've received oh, probably three or four notes from people. And the latest was from actually a language professor at the university. And he emailed me and said, you know, and he went through the whole, you know, the whole uh, reason why it should be te amo instead of amo te. And so I emailed him back and I just said, you know, I understand completely, but this is why. And I explained the whole story about my mother and father-in-law and he emailed back not long after they said, don't change it. And so uh, it, it means a lot to me and, and they're both gone now. And, and, uh, but it's kind of our way to honor them through, through the wine. Fantastic. Now, Sweet Charlotte is the first red that I have not said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and I've actually finished a glass. Uh, it was my introduction to red wine that's not just dry and something that I just didn't care for. Sweet Charlotte, somebody told me, you've got to try it. I did. Totally amazed. And it's a fantastic wine. Where'd the name come from? That is actually named after my mother. And I surprised her with that. I made the wine and, and on the side, I think I wrote something, the true testament to a son's love for his mother uh, in, the, in the little story on the side of the wine. And, and so I came up one day and I handed her the bottle and she opened and said, oh, that's very nice. And it took her, it took her a while. <laughs> I think my sister had to say, mom, look at the name of the wine. And as soon as she did, she just burst out in tears. And it's very rare that when she talks about Sweet Charlotte that she doesn't cry. So it's kind of a fun story. Uh, but yeah, that that was in honor of my mom and and uh, all the things she had to put up with me as a kid. You know, this was kind of my way to say thanks. One of the coolest names of a wine I've ever heard is Traposti. <laughs> or am I pronouncing it correctly? You because it. you invented the you word. Nailed it. What is Traposti? Well, you know, and I like to tell people here, one thing we really, you know, try to espouse here at the winery is we should, we should have fun. I mean, wine should be a fun everyday, in moderation, wine should be a fun everyday part of a healthy lifestyle. And, and we try to have a lot of fun out here as well and just have a good time. And there was an international law a few years ago that went into place, probably about 10, 12 years ago now that, for example, I, I make a sparkling wine. It's basically a champagne, but I can't call it a champagne unless it's made in champagne france well the same thing with port wines and if, if nobody's ever had a port you got to give it a try they're they're beautiful wines they're kind of a, a dessert wine that's been fortified they're a little higher in alcohol but uh, they're awfully good but i can't call it a port unless it's made in portugal so we i and i love port so we decided to make port this was been about 12 years ago and it took us two or three years to get all the laws changed in the state so that we could make port uh, without going into a lot of great detail, but uh, I knew I couldn't call it a port. And so I started to do some research and all of our, all of our labels, every, every label that you see on the shelf of every wine, that label has to be approved by the federal government. It has to go through the TTB for approval. And so I knew I couldn't call this a port. So I started doing a little thinking, a little research, and, and I found a couple fun ones. I found a, a, a wine or a port called USB, like USB port. I thought that was clever. Nice. I found one called Starboard which was port starboard. So there were some fun ones out there. I was like, I got to come up with a fun name for this. And so I uh, went home one night and, and uh, it's kind of amazing how creative you can get after, you know, three or four glasses of port. But uh, Barb went to bed and I, she got up the next morning and I said, Hey, I got it. I got the name of this, this wine. I go Traposti. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And you know, when this went on for a few minutes, finally she just told me to shut up and tell her, you know, what it meant. And I said, look at it backwards. I T S. A P O R T. It's a port backwards. So we sent that in to get approved. It didn't get approved the first few times, not because of that, because on the label I had written, uh, put in there something about being fortified and working with a distiller. And I couldn't have all these different words in there. 
And so on about the fourth try, they finally approved it after I, on the description, I said, this wine is an important part of our portfolio of wines that portray, I use these port words as much as I could. And I don't know if they caught on to the Traposti name or not, or just thought this guy's so crazy. Let's just approve this. But uh, no, that's a fun name. So that's, that's uh, it's a port backwards. And uh, a lot of people just love that story. It, it's a great story. And it's a really good wine. I had not had it until the winemaker's dinner. And we had it, I believe, with the fourth course, with the, the main course, with the surf and turf. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's a good wine. It's great with chocolate. It's great by itself on a cold winter night. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. I'm a, I'm a cigar guy. It's great with cigar. Port, yeah, port's one of my, if I had anything in the world to drink, I'd probably drink a port. We'll be back with more right after this. We hope you're enjoying the story here on this quick gem. At NebraskaGems.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, find out more about Tom, Mike, and Dave, and check out all of our fantastic sponsors. Plus, we'll have updates on any special events we'll be a part of. Again, you can find all that information at NebraskaGems.com. For all of your concrete needs, call Kramer Concrete at 402-560-0670. Do you have a cracked driveway or sidewalk? Are you in need of an egress window or an awesome looking new patio with stamped concrete? If so, call Tim Kramer at 402-560-0670 to get a free estimate. With over 20 years of experience, the Kramer Concrete staff specializes in concrete replacement, egress windows, and concrete patio design. Kramer Concrete is the low-cost solution to all of your concrete problems. Call Tim today at 402-560-0670. Every Sunday evening from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Tune in for the Husker Rewind with myself, Mike Melby, and my co-host, Tom Stevens. We'll have all of the latest on the Huskers, plus other happenings going on in the sports world. That's the Husker Rewind, Sunday evenings from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket. And now back to the stories on this quick gem. There's a couple of animal names involved in your wines. <laughs> I would like to know about them. A dog and a cat, you're kind of being equal here. There, there is. The first one we came up with, we had uh, a couple stray cats that we had come across. Oh, and they were out here for probably 17 or 18 years. And people, you'd be amazed at the people who come out just to see the cats. I mean, they drink some wine out there too, but uh, we still have people asking about Fudge and, and Diablo. And Diablo happened to be a three-legged kitty. Uh, he got hit in the parking lot when he was just a kitten, and uh, we just couldn't save his leg. So, But he was, a, he was an amazing three-legged cat, a beautiful cat. And so in his passing, we decided to honor him, and we have a, a white wine called Three Legs White. And people love that, especially people come out to see him and they, and he's gone. And, and, uh, and don't worry though, we've had three other cats just show up out of the blue after those two passed away. So I don't know what it is. I think if, if I ever come back in another life, I want to come back as a JV winery cat because they get treated pretty well. But, uh, and then the second one is I had a lot of folks saying, you know, you've got all these fun wine names. Why don't you name one after yourself or do this or do that? And I, nah, I tell you what, they'll name one after my dog. So I have a wine called Kira and Kira is my yellow lab. Uh, she's my old girl. She's almost 13 now. And, and it was fun because I had a, a young lady here that had been part of our family and for years, and, and she's an incredible artist. And I said, Hey, you want to come out and just, uh, do a drawing of, of Kira and myself and we'll be sitting, staring off into the vineyard came out and it turned out beautiful. And, uh, so, uh, that was in honor of my, in my yellow lab Kira and, uh, something I can have forever. You mentioned sparkling wines. There's a couple of them that have Brianna. There's a sparkling Brianna and a sparkling Barbara Ellen Rosé. Yeah, and the Brianna is actually the name of the grape. 
is that it? is in the okay. name of the grape. Uh, fun story about that real quick. A fun story about that. We had a gentleman that started the first winery in Nebraska um, out of Cut Hills Vineyard, and he's a grape breeder, and he loves to breed grapes. His name's Ed Swanson, and, and he had a, a gentleman that he learned a lot from that, that uh, developed a grape at the University of Minnesota and passed before it actually got was commercialized. And so Ed had the privilege of naming that grape, and he called it Brianna. So that's kind of a fun story about that. But the uh, sparkling Barbarellan is actually named after my wife. I had to do, you know, I, cu I couldn't get along very far without doing something for her. So, but uh, that's her first and middle names. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a sparkling wine, just like her, a little sparkling personality and a, a little bit of a little bit of bite to it, but it's a lot of fun to drink. <laughs> I love the description. 32. 32 is our sweet dessert wine. We've tried, to, and again, I'm, I'm bringing up another uh, wine. If you've ever had an ice wine, they're delicious. Germany, that's where they really developed the ice wine, and, and uh, Canadians have perfected it. And basically, you, you harvest a grape while it's frozen, and you press that grapes while it's frozen. And a uh, grape's about 60% water or so, and the first thing they thought is that juice. So you press it until you start to get to the water, and then you quit pressing. So you lose about 60% uh, of your production, but you end up with this incredibly sweet, delicious dessert wine. Well, I've tried to do uh, ice wine out here, and, and we have these wonderful freezes in Nebraska during during the night, and then it gets up to 80 during the day, and, and the style of grapes we grow, they just didn't uh, lend themselves well to ice wine. So what I do is, and I can't call it an ice wine because it's not picked and, and pressed off the uh, as a grape, but what I do is I, I bring the, the grapes in, and I press the juice, and I freeze the juice. And then I bring the juice out of the cold storage and same thing happens. It starts to thaw out. And the first thing to thaw out is that juice, the, the real sweet part of the grape. And so again, I lose about 60% of the production, but I come up with this sweet dessert wine. So what I, what I decided to do and, and the way we measure that sugar in the juice, it's called bricks. And so the higher the brick, the sweeter the juice. And so when I start bringing that frozen juice in, it's, sometimes 40, 45 bricks, which is very, very sweet. And as I start to go down, go down, go down, as you get a little more water in there, that brick starts to drop. And once I get to 32, I stop. So 32 bricks is what I stop pumping the juice out of that that's thawing out. And the other thing, and actually wine freezes at a little higher temp, but most of us think about freezing at 32. And so I thought, what a wonderful name to call this sweet dessert wine, 32. Absolutely. We're going to have to stop at the counter on the way out, by the way. <laughs> a couple of them that I am just curious on. One that I told you, my girlfriend, Tracy, hates red wine, just never had one she likes. She's like, okay with Sweet Charlotte. She mm -hmm. had one whole glass, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. She had sleigh bells and said, how many bottles did you buy? Because I would like you to open another one. Uh, it is one of the most amazing reds. It's, it's a sweet red. It is fantastic. Obviously, the name is Christmas related, but where did you come up with it? How, how do you get a red wine to taste that good? That is a 100% Concord. That's made completely from the Concord grape. And if, this, is a, this is a testament to how, how marketing works, I think. And not that uh, you know, we're marketing geniuses or everything, but we used to make that wine and just call it Concord. I cannot sell it to save my life. People look at it like, yeah, Concord. You know, and it, it, it tastes like Welch's grape juice with a little kick in it. But people wanted to try the new hybrids that we were growing and all the different things. And so Concord was just, you know, Concord wine, no big deal. So one year I said, let's let's throw a Christmas label on it, raise the price a little bit and see what happens. 
sold out like that. And then all of a sudden, made a little more, kept selling out, kept selling out. We now make Sleigh Bell Blush, and we just we just happened to come up with that name, a fun Christmas name. It sounded, it kind of just rolled off the tongue, Sleigh Bell Blush. We now produce, oh, about 15 pallets of that every Christmas. And there's 84 cases in a pallet, and that is gone in three weeks. From I couldn't sell it to now I can't keep it in. <laughs> and, and if I had more grapes, I'd make more. It's just, I just am limited in, in, in what we do and capacity and things of that nature. But that's just kind of a fun story. And it's just a testament to, you know, marketing and, and how people look at a product differently if it's packaged differently. Exactly. How do you give all my secrets away here? How do you package? <laughs> I mean, you've done a great job of doing this packaging without it being distasteful for the wine called Voluptuous. Because oh, I know what I would have done with the label and it probably would have got me arrested. So we, and I asked a lot of people, I was real apprehensive about that when we first brought it out. But uh, Voluptuous, I, we wanted to do something and, and we do a lot of things for community. I, I've never turned down um, a request for a donation or anything. We don't do, no, donate wine very often because if I donated to everybody who'd ask, we'd go broke really quick. But what we do is we donate gift certificates where people can come out and have a food basket and a couple glasses of wine, and and hopefully that'll help that organization raise a little bit of money. We we love working with the community, and I and we had a lot of friends and family that have gone through cancer and have some some have unfortunately not made it, and others have have kicked its butt and are still are still going. And so I wanted to do something to honor them, and so we came up with two wines. The first one being voluptuous, and again, I was a little apprehensive, and I talked to a lot of people who had gone through breast cancer and said, "Does this offend you?" And nine out of ten said no. And so voluptuous, and if you look at the label, it's just the it's the pink ribbon that's on the label with the word voluptuous, and on the side we just kind of give a nice description of saying, you know, this is to those who who have beat cancer and those who maybe didn't, and part of the proceeds then go back to. Uh, different cancer organizations that are raising money to to fight that. Um, and then we do a dry red called Hope that has the purple ribbon on it. And it's the same thing. And, and what we've tried to do is Relay for Life and some of those organizations, we've tried to help them out as much as we can. And, and, uh, and we've donated some of that wine for some of those different events that some of those organizations have as well. So amazing things you do giving back to the community. One more that I've just found interesting, dry lacrosse. <laughs> That's the name of the grape again, okay. lacrosse, and we make it dry because we do a sweet lacrosse. Okay, and I wanted to make sure people could differentiate between the dry and the sweet. I was like, if this is not a grape name, there's got to be an amazing story. So <laughs> it is a grape. Okay, it uh, is a grape. You you've got a, a line of meads as well, blackberry, a cherry. Uh, what else? Uh, just a straight mead, just our regular mead, and yep. a sangria and all that. Yep. Any other names that, that come to mind that that off the top of your head here? I know we've covered quite a few of them. No, I mean we we've got a couple others. We've got Horizon, which I think is a is a is a rosé that just if you look at the Horizon around here, it's gorgeous. And Heartland White that was I think our second wine that we came up with. It was kind of a fanciful name, which is you know a, a white made in the Heartland. So those were pretty basic and generic. And then we started to have some real fun with them with the the names of the kids and the dogs and the cats and everything else. You've got four special anniversary, 25th anniversary wines mm -hmm. that you've released, uh, an Edelweiss, a Traposti, a Chamborson. Chamberson. 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 I was close. You were close. It still drinks the same, no matter how you say it. Okay. And I probably say it a lot worse the more <laughs> I drink. I'm waiting for the next one for you to say. Catawba. You nailed it. Yes. 
where did Catawba come from or is it the grape that's, name? That's actually the name of the grape. And if you come from back east, uh, especially in the New York region, the Finger Lakes region, Catawba and Concord were the staples for, for many, many years. We don't have a lot of Catawba here and, and I don't get it every year, but last year we happened to have a good crop. When I say good crop, it's about a hundred gallons worth of wine, which isn't a lot really, but uh, it turned out well. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to save this and make it part of our 25th anniversary collection. Nice. Kind of like we ended the last one. I do have a couple of rapid fire questions. Shoot. And they're Halloween related because we're getting close to it. And we were kind of joking around about it a while ago. Favorite Halloween candy? Oh, I love Snickers. Favorite Halloween costume that you've ever worn? I think I was on a winemaker's cruise once and I wore a toga with uh, sparkles and skull heads all over it. And I really love that costume. Do you have photos? Uh, maybe. We might have to use that as the <laughs> thumbnail for this episode. Are you a person that likes to go through haunted houses? Yes. Love them? Love them. Do you have a favorite? When I was growing up, there was one in Grand Island that I absolutely love, but I will let you know that next year we're already planning our trip to, uh, haven't decided California or Florida yet for 13 Nights of Terror. Awesome. We're going to be doing that next year. If you need travel companions, <laughs> let me know. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a Halloween wine? No, I haven't. Just throwing it out. There. I don't know that a pumpkin wine would be fantastic, but it, you could make it spooky. And what right. I just, I was like, you know what? I think that's a Halloween a, wine a would be good idea. I, I did. I will be honest. I tried to make, I tried to come up with a pumpkin cider, hard cider. It just didn't fly for me, but I did. I did think about it. And that was more of a fall thing, but I will say that we've done, um, uh, wine and, and, uh, Halloween candy pairings in the past, but just some suggestions. Nice. Last one, not related to Halloween, related to the six weeks or so you just went through. Uh, what's your favorite part of harvest? When it's done. Okay. I figured that <laughs> might be the answer. No, I, to be honest, my favorite part of harvest is taking something that we've worked so hard at, tending to throughout the, throughout the uh, spring and, and the summer, and then turning it into something that we're going to spend a lot of time tending to for the rest of the year and making something beautiful out of it. Fantastic. Jim, thank you so much for the time. Great stories and looking forward very much to uh, sampling a couple of the wines we have talked about.